0: And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, folks of all ages, to desperately seeking entertainment. Oh, my God. Craziness. I am one of your hosts, Mr. Chris Peterson, founder, editor-in-chief of On Stage Blog. Joined with me on the line, as always, is Mr. Ben Frawley. How are you, sir?
1: All right, man. I'm on the line and I walk the line. What's up? What's up?
0: (laughs) I love it. I love it. Dude, how was your fourth of july how have the past couple weeks been like what's going on
1: dude fourth of july was great i hung out with a ton of people did a ton of things but more importantly i watched a ton of content I, it was just streaming and watching and movie madness i have so much it's coming out of my ears and my pores chris you know i was so scared when game of thrones went off the air you know was there gonna be enough to watch you know i mean this summer of disappointment of blockbuster disappointment but there is still content out there, and I was so happy.
0: Man, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Folks, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, welcome to the party. Secondly, what we like to do on this podcast is Ben and I, as he just said, consume everything entertainment. We love to be entertained. If we're not entertained, we're not breathing, basically. So what we want to do on this podcast is basically bring... Basically our top five most interesting, most significant, most entertaining stories of the week, things that we did. Talk about them on air. The kicker is I have no idea what Ben is going to bring to the table. He has no idea what I'm bringing to the table. So our reactions are genuine. Uh, nothing is pre-planned. It's all on the fly, so to speak. And at the end, we go YouTube and mm-hmm, that's what we do. Yeah. Uh, we go, we, we visit that wonderful site with, wormholes galore we talk about some of the videos that we've seen this week uh that really caught our attention that are worth mentioning and worth sharing on this glorious podcast so why not wait ben you're you're rip ready to go lead us off man what do you got for all right this one weekend? of the
1: big uh one of the big movie events that i went to this weekend was uh spider-man uh far from home mm. went to go see the end of phase three of the mcu And uh, now we have to wait, I believe, another nine months till the next movie. (laughs) It was definitely bittersweet. Um, I thought the movie was great. Let me just go right off the bat. It was great. And like like on every movie here, I won't spoil a lot. Um, Everyone should enjoy this movie. Um, If you're a giant uh, comic book nerd, there's some characters you'll be familiar with. You'll kind of know what's going on. But if you're not, you'll be pleasantly surprised. Um, The one thing that I thought... That was running through Chris. Did you see the movie?
0: I did. I did. Okay. Yes.
1: Uh, the one thing that was running through my mind, Chris, and I don't know about you was, you know, you had such a major event in the Avengers end game and um, infinity gauntlet that um, or infinity war that it, it's, it's gotta be hard to land the ship. You know, here we are just watching mm-hmm. this go on and it's kind of like a teen romp, you know, just like the first Spider-Man, you know, it feels good. And, you know, it's a feel good kind of movie. But, at the same time, it was kind of tough to land after such an epic event. I thought they did a great job with this, but it was kind of running through my head. Chris, did you have any thoughts about that while you were watching this thing?
0: you know I did i it was i mean end game it's like I almost need like nine months to recover from that thing right. and you know we're given what six, seven weeks, and it's like all right now we're now we're back in the we're back in the game, and I understand how they were kind of using this movie to end phase three but part of me is like, let's, let's go. Like it kind of felt like the beginning of phase four in a way. And, um, you know, I don't know. It, it, it was a, it was weird being in a Marvel film that I wasn't looking for clues towards what we're building towards, if that makes sense, you know?
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah, totally. I mean, I get what they did. I, it was kind of ingenious what they did. It did work. It was tough for me. You know, maybe a year from now when I'm kind of settled down from Endgame. Like, seriously, I'll be able to watch this with better eyes and think a little more clearly. Um, But, you know, this to me was kind of the um, the Denima or the resolution after the climax. If you think of the giant Marvel cinematic universe with 23 movies or whatever it is, um, this was kind of landing the rocket ship, you know, almost poking fun at, you know, (laughs) they had some great bits in the movie about how the uh, the one Asian kid is <laughs> older than everyone else. And he's like 21, yeah. but he's still in like fifth, like he's freaking sophomore or something like that. And all the girls want him and stuff. They had some great bits about it because, you know, it, it is kind of confusing. Like, what do you do after this? Do, yeah. Do the kids stay in school that aged out or, something? I don't know. It was really cool. And they just, I don't know. They had fun with it. I thought that was great.
0: Yeah. and I do like, I do like how they kind of, that, that opening like school newscast that they did, was hilarious i was actually crying like the thing that got me was like when the band disappears in the gym and then they just reappear at the snap so you actually see because i mean if you if you think about it in in endgame we don't see people we don't see how they came back
1: right they just come through a portal you know what i mean dr strange sends them through you know from Wakanda or something like that right
0: so to hear them to see them just like instantaneously return literally in the same action that they were doing when they faded out was like oh i get like for them it was like nothing um and I just I just thought that was hilarious. Yeah, that was and, hilarious.
1: I mean, but it kind of makes you think, like, if they built a building where you disappeared, would you, like, return, like, in the Philadelphia Experiment, like, half inside a Navy ship or something like that?
0: Oh, yeah. That <laughs> yeah, was... it's
1: kind of... They probably oh, won't address that. That's kind of creepy. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, I, I think all cinematic time travel, you know, rules were were broken with Endgame, so to speak. <laughs> but um, I got to ask you, man, what do you... where? Like, where do you think this thing goes next? Like, what do you... Like, are, are you excited? Are you like, man, I don't know. Like, what do you, you, how are you feeling?
1: Um, I'm hopeful. I'm definitely hopeful. I think they wrapped everything up really well. Um, I think they kind of leaked things out, especially for the end of, you know, the beginning of Spider-Man. Um, if you know anything about the comic books, there's the new Avengers coming out um, inside the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and Spider-Man is kind of the head of that. Um, but the thing that is tough about the whole thing is, there are X-Men involved in the new uh, Avengers, so that's going to be, you know, Kitty Pride and Wolverine, and there's a bunch of new Avengers out there that won't be present because of the, all the tie-ups, but who knows? I mean, Disney owns all that property now, so we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I am hopeful, and I thought they wrapped this up pretty well. They kept the humor about it, if you know what I mean. They kept, um, instead of just... Uh, they could have gone really serious with it and i thought that um mysterio was a great bad guy because it looked like we were going to you know the first half of the movie okay put up a spoiler i guess uh the first half of the movie it looked like the same old same old and actually it was kind of ingenious how they had spidey fighting the same kind of villains like okay i'm gonna use my fists my web we're gonna beat this ice monster or this wind monster and this rock monster and And it kind of got old all of a sudden. But when, you know, you kind of saw what Mysterio's plan was and what type of villain he was and using kind of the events of Endgame to instill fear in us. And uh, they had some definitely some political um, connotations in there about fake news and media. And that's why that Mysterio character really worked. You know, I I know Mysterio was built in like the 60s or 70s, but he is it, it actually makes a lot more sense to have him present in movies today. So I thought that was such a cool little device they use. It was great.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that the second they started doing like fake news and how people will believe anything they told them, like, oh man, like, here we go um, with them, with the messaging so to speak. But um, yeah, I, I, I was kind of digging it. I mean, I got to talk about the two post credit scenes um, and, and, and how, first of all, the first one blew my mind, you know, yeah. the fact that you bring you know, J. Jonah Jameson and, and you know, it's J. K. Simmons again playing the same character, but a different <laughs> variation of him was a brilliant stroke uh, by them. And I I liked how he was kind of this like Alex Jones ish type of conspiracy, you know, theorist type of person, which was like
1: but with like the same voice, same voice, a
0: completely yeah. different look. Um, there were people apparently, this was like a, a complete surprise, and it was, I mean, it was a complete surprise to me. The only thing that people were kind of latching on to was that I guess J.K. Simmons went to the premiere of Spider Man, so people were like, Whoa, what does that mean? Like, why is J.K. Simmons at the premiere? But oh, you know, a okay. lot of people were like, Well, anybody, I mean, they invite celebrities all the time, I and mean, he technically right. has time to these movies, but um, yeah, no, masterstroke by them. Um, and then the second one where you find out that Nick Fury and, and uh, Agent Hill were scrolls the entire time. And like, are we headed towards that, that secret invasion, those new Avengers? I mean, what is going to happen? Um, it's, it's very exciting. So we will yeah, see. Secret
1: invasion, secret invasion is definitely a, a series run through the whole Marvel books and that overlaps all of their books. And you know, the, the scrolls like run through all the books and even Deadpool. So that would be really interesting to see when they start combining all these universes, that would be a great tie in for secret invasion and secret wars, which I've always said, that's where we're going. So that's gonna be really cool.
0: Now we don't know what, when the next Marvel, like the official release date is right. Like that's, I, do we know what's next?
1: I thought it was, I, I might be totally wrong. I, I thought it was like S- Dr. Strange too. But not I know like next I know that's year. on
0: right. I know that's on they haven't started filming that, so yeah, I think that's on there. I know they're filming the Black Widow movie now, but I don't know how that fits into phase four because it's I mean, I'm assuming it's gonna be some sort of a prequel, I guess I don't know. I mean, it's Marvel. they could do anything they want. um, uh, I do know that there's going to be a Hawkeye eight episode drama on uh, the new Disney streaming service when that releases in February.
1: Right, and isn't there going to be like a Captain America and Falcon series too?
0: Apparently. I mean, yeah. no one no one knows for sure. I, I will say what's very exciting is that uh, for the first time in the past, I think it's like two, three years, Marvel will actually have like a Hall H panel uh, event at Comic-Con right. coming up next month. So that Yeah, we might find out exactly what their official, you know, phase four slate is. Um, So it, it, it's, it's very exciting. Who knows? We'll see.
1: Yeah. That was, I thought just, I I just needed to talk about that movie. I just thought that was huge. It was great. Oh, heck yes. Um, And you know, now we have to wait (laughs) a ton more for some Marvel content.
0: Oh my gosh. It's like, just hook it to my veins. So there you go. (laughs) Um, Well, man, I'm so glad you brought that up. I mean, uh, you know, again, this I, for the summer of disappointments, uh, I, I would say like the past week, week and a half has been outstanding. Um, because we also got Stranger Things. Oh, that's right on Netflix. Did you watch it? Have you seen it? I
1: have not.
0: Oh man. Okay. So <laughs> we'll 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 save the spoilerific discussion but for I'm, next. But week, I'm okay. But-
1: you 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 go right ahead, Chris. You go right ahead. I'm I'm not I'm not that. Listen, I kind of fell off last season, so I'm not into it. You yeah. can go spoil ahead. Spoil ahead.
0: Well, I'm glad you bring this up because this definitely. You know, I've read a lot of articles, I've I've read a lot of, you know, reviews online and things like that, where this basically have been saying that, you know, if you were lost after, you know, last season, if if you know, you're like, you know what, maybe this show's not as good as I thought it was, this is the season that kind of brought you back.
1: And I agree okay. with it. I All agree right. with
0: it. What what I love most about this season, and it's very clear from the, the almost first scene of the movie, is you're you're now in like, I think it takes place in nineteen eighty. Five eighty six, eighty seven, like somewhere around there and for me being a child who grew you know being born in 1981 um i'm but i'm starting to finally recognize certain things and get certain references that perhaps i didn't get in season one and two where it was you know early early 80s so to speak um i will i won't lie the very first thing that you see these kids doing is sneaking into a movie theater to go see day of the dead which is oh like, nice so you've automatically got my like respect right there. And it is pure like mid eighties. Um, just it's a love letter to the, to that era. Basically most of the, most of the actual season takes place in a mall and it's like at its absolute peak heyday of like 1980s malls. So that brought back a lot, like seeing a Sam Goody music store um, in this, in the series, like that's like
1: awesome. Brought me oh. back to uh, Wallingford, Connecticut.
0: Brought me back to Wallingford. Like, give me, give me strawberries, in North oh, Haven strawberries. and northeast.
1: Oh, strawberries! That's what was there. That's right.
0: <laughs> co- coconuts and you know, like all that stuff. Like just seeing that, like all these stores in the 1980s, like old logo Burger Kings, and like you know, Coca Cola is doing a whole thing where they're actually releasing like vintage cans from 1985 uh, to plug in with with Stranger Things. So again, it's it's bringing all those nostalgia you know member berry type of things are all coming back with this show and the plot line very 1980s uh there's like russians involved like a russian conspiracy <laughs> like
1: it's that's cool it's
0: everything if it, there's like a dolph lundgren type of character in this thing like it's everything that you want it to be the horror uh suspense level of the season all-time high humor all-time high you get a little romance in here also like teen romance. I don't know what it is, but when it's done authentically, I love it. Um, and you get, you get all of that in this season. So I will tell anybody out there who, who, you know, says, you know, they lost me after season two, which I won't lie. I, i I definitely was frustrated with it as well. Um, this season definitely, you know, wins you back. So,
1: all right, I'll check it out. All right. You got me convinced. I'll check it out. <laughs>
0: there, there you go. There you go. All right, man. What do you got for your number two? All
1: right. Number two, uh, let's switch it up a little. I was like I said, Chris, I watched some movies this week and uh, I watched I went and saw Midsommar. Um, (laughs) Have you heard about that movie? I've seen it. Oh, you did. You mother effer. Oh, my God. All right. So uh, for those of you out there, Ari Ari Aster is the name of the director. He did this crazy movie called Hereditary last year. And this is his follow up. Only two movies to this guy. And my God, I mean. If he comes out with a third one as quality as these, we're talking about top directors, out-of-the-gate best films of all time. I mean, just the guy knows what he's doing, and he creates – talking about suspense. He creates suspense, suspense and tension and mystery, and he just knows how to pull so many strings in your head that it is – he is a master of tone and pitch and just – He just keeps you at a level and doesn't let off the gas. Chris, what were your thoughts on this movie? We got to get into this movie. Let's, let's just talk about this movie.
0: (laughs) Here's this is, this is the best thing about what I've read about this movie and what I felt about this movie. You know, what I read afterwards, apparently this movie, this entire movie is a litmus test for who you are as a human being, basically, or a Rorschach, a Rorschach test. I should say how you react to this movie says a lot about you. Apparently I thought it was one of the funniest movies
1: I've ever seen. Me too. I was dying the whole time. <laughs> <I> was... <laughs> like there was certain parts that were so funny and like Bob, you know, I was sitting with Bobby and Amy and I'm like, hang on, I'm laughing. And there's another dude in front of us laughing and you're disturbed. You're laughing. You're all over the place in this movie. So what, did it, wait, so what does that say about my personality? I don't understand.
0: Right. Like, why am I la- like when, when the old couple like, you know, sacrifices oh. themselves. <laughs> And the guy doesn't die. Like,
1: oh, <laughs> and, <laughs> there was a woman. All right. There was a woman when the guy doesn't die. There was a woman behind me uh, and she goes like this. And I like, I think I was like, all right, at that point, I was like, oh, that's messed up. I didn't laugh at that part. <laughs> but the woman behind me, there was like a girlfriend and boyfriend behind me. The girl goes, well, he didn't land as well as the other one. <laughs> <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't stick and the landing. I <laughs> he didn't stick the landing. I was like, so. And then I look behind us. Here we are watching this weirdo, bizarro, indie, low-budget movie, whatever we're watching, and I look back, and the theater is packed. Mm. My theater was jam-packed full of people, and I'm just thinking about, like, I know I like some avant-garde, weird David Lynch, you know, too old to die young kind of stuff, and I'm sitting here watching this, and I know I love this. I love the pacing. I love the style. I love everything, and I'm like, what are these people thinking behind me? (laughs) It, and you know,
0: I I I expected to be kind of disturbed and you know things like that, but man, like that movie, it just it felt like it was going all over the place, and yet I was into it. Um, if 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 you take that movie and make it into an eight episode Netflix series, I'm in. Like, yeah, give me all of that.
1: Great concept. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, I mean, when they start wailing like and trying to like ex- like share the pain or like. <laughs>
1: or whatever that was. That was the scene, Chris, but I'm so glad you brought that scene up. That was the scene, right? I'm sitting there and I'm watching the screen and, and I've, I've listened to a podcast about it and I've listened to uh, the director and there is something so visceral, uh, visceral about watching this movie in a dark theater with this bright movie there. I mean, this is one of the first movies I can recall where there's not a dark scene in it. Like the whole thing takes place during a bright daytime atmosphere. Yeah, And you're, you're, it's almost like you're, you're in sunstroke. And when that scene hit and it just kept going and going, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go crazy now. And there's nothing anyone can do about it. Like I'm going to go literally insane in my chair. And that's what I thought in my head. I'm like, if this, if this doesn't let off in like 30 seconds, I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to run out of the theater and freak out. I don't know. (laughs) It
0: was so crazy. So I don't know if you read this. There's an article about this movie where, Apparently they they showed it. I don't know if it was in France or or someplace. And there was a there was a panel, like a Q and A panel, with the cast members and director after the movie. And apparently the ending, the finale, mm-hmm. which is like Wicker Man on steroids in a way, um, the audience started laughing, like wow. they they thought it was hilarious. And apparently the the guy who plays the boyfriend who, you know, the bear, the bear, um, found that really disturbing. And like, that was the first thing he said, like, I can't believe you guys laughed at that. Like that's (laughs) like, that really messed him up in the head. Um, but yeah, I, I, I feel like this is like some sort of Rorschach test of, of audience, you know, taking in this, you know, this movie, so to speak, but, um, brilliant film,
1: brilliant, brilliant. film. I mean, It's, it it talks about, you know, like we've talked on this podcast about how you have this concept and the concept might be great, but it's all about the follow through of the concept. Someone could have Mm. taken this concept and made just this B grade horror movie to be forgotten ever. You know what I mean? Like
0: Mm a bunch of
1: kids on a trip get slaughtered one by one, yada, yada, yada. Right. Seeing it. It's like every kind of horror movie. It's a slasher movie, blah, blah, blah. But the follow through. The tone of this thing, the pitch, the the pacing, everything was just, I don't know. It, you got a sense that this whole movie was intentional to have this crazy visceral reaction inside you at multiple levels. And when you get to the end of the movie, the, the best part of this movie is it wasn't at a certain point you start realizing, okay, it's this isn't like a mystery. We're not piecing together or puzzling together something. And right. Right the main characters can go Eureka. We solved it. Now let's solve the crime. Scooby-Doo. You, you get a sense that this is not going to end well (laughs) to say the least for (laughs) almost everyone or the world or you in the theater. I don't know what's going to go on. So you're kind of just buckled into this roller coaster that will not let you out. Like you're strapped in and you're like, wherever this movie's taking me, I'm in, you know what I mean? And I think that's what got you that reaction that got you that visceral, like, Oh, I can't move out of my seat, like whatever this guy's going to take me. And, but just to know that this guy now moving forward is a master at this. Like Mm. he's, I could, I could declare him a master. Like the movies like hereditary and miss miss summer. I mean, those come up uh, across, especially in low budget fashion, like once or twice in a movie makers, like career. Right. Like, right. am I overstating this? Like, no, you, no. Like, I mean, when's the last time that you saw someone out of the gate fly off the handle of two movies like this that are,
0: you know, you know, honestly, Christopher Nolan.
1: like Exactly. Memento. That are original properties. You know what I mean? Not like reboots or it's not like this guy went out and made Batman or something like that where, right. you know, Christopher Nolan did following and he did Memento, right? right. Those were his first two. Those are the first two. And you were just like, my God, this guy's this guy knows what he's doing. Right. (laughs) And you're in good hands. And, um, you know, I don't know, Chris, did you listen to the interview with him?
0: No. The latest one or
1: on the big picture on the uh, the ringer network?
0: No, no, I haven't yet.
1: Really great. And, you know, it sounds like he has a bunch more scripts written already. Mm. Ready to rock. Stop so it. this guy's just been sitting there, <laughs> and he sounds like a cinephile guy himself. Like he had he had movie recommendations for everyone. Like, oh yeah, uh, check this movie out. Check this one out. Like, I mean, the guy's like a movie fan too. Ridiculous. I and- I
0: think. I mean, another one. I think with with Aster here. I mean, I think you could either go the direction of Nolan, or you can go the direction of someone like Sofia Coppola slash M Night Shyamalan. Where, you know, both for those two filmmakers, Sofia Coppola and Shyamalan their first two movies are phenomenal. Like Virgin right. Suicide, Lost in Translation, amazing. Uh, Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, incredible. And then it just goes downhill. And um, it, you know, like you said, if this guy continues down this path, he's given us two grand slams. Two, he's, he's pitched two no-hitters in a row. Um, my God, like if he continues down this path, we could be looking at the next great filmmaker of this generation. I mean,
1: I, and I don't think we're overreacting and I, no, I and no. you know what these movies, because these movies aren't, um, pandering to an audience, you know what I mean? It's not like right. he's placating to, you know, Oh, not everyone's going to like these movies. And, and mm-hmm. actually my mom today, I ran into my mom today. She just came out to lunch and she was asking me, I was like, Oh, I said midsummer. And she goes, Oh my God, how was it? And, and, and I'm telling her it was great. It was genius. But I was like. I don't know if I'd recommend it to you. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, you know, cause my mom likes elevated kind of, um, you know, thinking movies. Um, sure. And she's into different movies. You know, I'm not going to pigeonhole her, but um, at the same time, there are aspects of this movie that are so intense that I don't know <laughs> if it's everyone's cup of tea. Um, I
0: would love it. If like your parents wanted to go see this movie and they came out being like, "Yeah, it was kind of boring. <laughs> <laughs> Like that, that's that's a sunday afternoon for us yeah um, right yeah what
1: are, what are we doing tonight we're we gonna go kill a drifter or something like that uh <laughs> what the hell yeah if you went out of this movie bored like oh what, what time is it i took a nap during that one if you if that happens to you you need the speaking of rorschach you need some uh you need to do an intake somewhere that was like out- if you came out of the
0: theater and be like man do they have a camera in my house like that is my life in a nutshell <laughs> <man.">
1: yeah <laughs> like, that's, i just call that a tuesday in my household <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, but yeah God. like Bobby and I went to this movie and we kind of knew you know the buzz was out that this movie is something to be held. you know I saw the first trailer and I was like I'm done watching there this was the movie where I was like I'm done you know no mm-hmm. no matter what happens I'm, I know this guy's a good filmmaker from the first movie at least he's gonna put on a show let's do this and we both said when I get out of this movie I want to be changed forever <laughs> and I think <laughs> I was I mean I thought I. I don't know about you Chris I thought I came out, I was rubbing my eyes. I thought I was hallucinating just the way the, those little film tricks of the, the, the celluloid kind of moving on you and stuff like that. And it was so Mm -hmm. subtle, the trees moving. I I thought it was just so brilliant. Like, and the other thing that I really appreciated, right. Is I've seen a lot of trip out um, midnight movies, you know, like Holy mountain and, and eraser head and all these things. And there's certain parts of that movie. Listen, I love those movies. But there's certain parts of those movies where I could see people getting frustrated, like where my friend Josh, I could see him going. The movie just kind of went off the rails. I lost it. It was bored, whatever. But there was something about this movie and Hereditary where. It stays pretty much on the rails as far as plot and you know what's going on. That's what's really confusing me, like it's trip out, but at the same time, it's very meticulous in okay we're gonna go here now and Mm -hmm. here's what's coming next it's it's telling you what's gonna happen next it's not like it's trying to confuse you and flip the camera all around and you're all spinning around it's it's very basic it's shot in the daytime you're not like squinting like hey what was that across the screen and being confused like it's you know what i mean it's very procedural in the middle of it i
0: love it yeah no it definitely it's maybe the greatest breakup movie of all time like
1: (laughs) (laughs) well then there's that too yeah the guy's trying to Chris, that was some of the funniest stuff in the movie. It was awkward and funny. Like when, uh, when the guy brought what's her face into like his room full of friends oh, and yeah. she's like, Hey guys, what's going on? Right. And there was like dead silence for like 10 seconds. And they're like, Oh, Hey, what's up? <laughs> like they were so, it was so awkward and funny and they played for laughs. It was great. Amazing. Amazing. Dude.
0: Let me ask you this before I move on.
1: Yeah. No, no. Keep talking. I love this freaking movie.
0: <laughs> What are the what are its chances for Oscar glory? Because I'll be honest, this is the best movie I've seen all year so far. Period. Like it's like this. I thought this and us. I thought Hereditary
1: was was good too. I was very disappointed when that didn't win any Oscars.
0: So uh, we we've had us, which was phenomenal. We've had this two best movies I've seen all year so far, but they came out so early and typically are usually unconventional picks for for Oscar glory, so to speak. But my God, like how can this be ignored?
1: Yeah, I mean, the 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 one time I could think about when a movie came out really early in the Oscar season and like you forgot about it, and then when the Oscars came out, it actually won was the Grand Budapest Hotel.
0: Yeah, remember that yeah. came out
1: around this time too, like maybe June or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that movie was phenomenal. You know, Wes Anderson, woohoo! And then I forgot about it. You know, it came out on DVD. And I was like, oh, I'll watch that again. And all of a sudden, up for Oscars, like, oh yeah, that was this year. Like, and so it's possible. And the way this year is coming and the way these trailers are coming out. Either I could see this one catching some nominations. Yeah, Um, at least production design like they built that whole village like there is there's something to be said. If you really think about the movie, there are these great kind of dolly shots that walk you through the whole village. And what's difficult about that is you don't see another cameraman, you don't see a boom mic, you don't see, you know, line, you know, electric electrical lines running to the camera. It's totally Mm -hmm. wide open. And you know, how hard that is to actually do like a 360 shot like that in multiple areas, you know, with a giant HD camera, it's extremely hard. That means everyone that's helping out with the crew and film has to be in on it and and dressed like an actor, an extra. So that is really tough, too. So that's kind of like a groundbreaking thing. So I could see it up for some production or cinematography even. I mean, this this is Definitely. a beautiful movie. This is a, a really pretty movie for being the most disturbing movies I've ever seen ever.
0: Ugh, I'm with you.
1: I'm with yeah, you. So I hope so. Um, you know, but, you know, Chris, in a couple of weeks, we do have someone that might sweep the Oscars this year, and it's, it's Tarantino might sweep.
0: There you go. This could be the year
1: fingers crossed that fingers. Crossed. You know what this in the buzz around that movie, this could be, you know, I, you never know, you know what I mean? We've made speculation right. about certain movies and then they just didn't look good at all or they weren't right, good exactly. at all. So, but <laughs> um, I don't know this one and this, I can't wait for And they actually just, I just read today that they announced that his next one will be a, a comedy, a dark twisted comedy or some sort <laughs> A comedy. Aren't all of his movies? Yeah, like, yeah, right. I mean, they're all kind of family dramas and kind of comedies and kind of horror movies. So I, I don't know. He defies drama or he defies genre. Know you know what I mean? So I don't know, Chris. I I'm super. I'm everyone in. needs to go see this movie and because everyone will have an opinion about it. And that's what's great about oh, yeah. this movie is, you know, it's kind of like when you saw um, like Black Swan and which is, you know, Aronofsky is very um, similar to this director as well where he's mm-hmm. not pandering to he makes the movie that you know he makes requiem for a dream or he makes pie he makes black swan he makes movies that he wants to make and he doesn't care if you like it or not he's he has a vision in his head and here it is blah, and he puts right on the screen or, you know
0: like lars Rontier. yep it's like, <laughs> <that's> another one
1: <laughs> good
0: lord lars Von <laughs> um all right, good stuff, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we could like, we could spend an entire
1: podcast. I know. This like, come on, now. I I, come I, ran, on. I ran home. I mean, after I drove home in silence with no music playing in my car, um, I ran home and read about this movie.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, Ben. For my number two, I, I have a rant for you. Yeah, not really a question; it's a rant, so to speak. All right, is this
1: about your uh, uh the online activity? <laughs> one of them. Okay. That's,
0: so that's my that's my two and three, I guess you could say for this excellent. Week. Um, people suck, man. People suck. Yeah. I'll tell you why. So let me let me take you back. Um, I I am one of those people that if uh, if I'm Facebook friends with someone, that generally means that I have a general respect or you know acknowledgement or acquaintance. Like I don't I don't hate you or I don't dislike you. If I don't if I dislike someone on in life, I'm not going to friend them in Facebook. So, so, you're let's,
1: so you're selective.
0: I'm selective, right? Gotcha. Um. <clears throat> Having said that, uh, with the blog especially, I have done a lot of favors for people. Whether it's, hey, Chris, can you come review my show? Absolutely. Hey, Chris, we're promoting this upcoming event. Can you do this? Yeah, absolutely. Chris, right. Um, you know, terrible things have happened to members of our theater community. Can you do something about it? Absolutely.
1: Right. Like that so, one story you covered a couple, like a, a month ago or two, or two months ago. Yeah, right?
0: yeah. Exactly. So this happens a lot. And the problem is, is that when I write pieces, I always, you know, I always say to people, do you, if you want me to get involved, I just want you to know once I get involved, it's going to go like wildfire. Like it will go people, many people (laughs) will read these things. So um, what happens is you get a lot of reactions sometimes. So recently I wrote a piece about, which I'm going to talk about with my third thing this week. um, And it's gotten a lot of reaction and a lot of backlash from certain members of the theater community and there there have been a lot of posts on facebook basically saying screw chris peterson who is this moron what a jerk you know far more explicit uh, posts and comments and things like that well i i saw one cuz it just happened to pop up and you know when i was doing you know a search to see how this piece was performing and lo and behold i see someone like Two of the comments, like the status calling me an asshole, and then another one saying that you know he just does this for attention and blah blah blah, and then the you know so i I basically take a screenshot of that and I send it to the per- i personally message the person on Facebook and say like um so what what's going on here? Are we friends like thought we were nice to each other right and this person was like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry, I misunderstood what they were saying. I thought that you know their comments. Uh, were directed, you know, like, uh towards the critic. And so I was agreeing with them, um, and things like that. So anyway, um, I was like, I, I just kind of laughed it off. I was like, Oh, okay. Don't even worry about it. You know, blah, blah blah Then the, you know, today I see, I scroll down on the same thing and I see that this person has put a comment basically saying that like, I do this just to get hits and attention and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Okay, then I saw a screenshot of that, sent it to the person and said, you know what, never mind, I'm done, unfriended them, blah, blah, blah. So the thing that that really, it didn't upset me, it didn't hurt me, it it got me really annoyed and frustrated, was this was someone who I have tried to help over the past year. Um, They had a situation come up that they came to me and said, I need your help because of who you are as a blogger. And of the attention that you can put on this particular issue, I said, not a problem. I worked with this person for a long time on this, um, and and that was that. And to see this, to see them, you know, trash me on Facebook on someone else's post, I was like, what, what, what are you, what are you thinking? You know, like, and so I, I basically put a status out there saying, like, look, my Facebook game is stronger than yours. I will see all of the things that out out there about me, people. You know, I, this is going to sound really douchey. And I apologize. <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm a pretty well-known person now in the, in the professional theater community. So when someone on another person's status says, you know, screw Chris Peterson, there are other people that are friends there that will snapshot that, screenshot that, and then send those, those images to me, uh, whether I want them or not. And I've told people many times, please stop sending those to me because I don't like to read those things. Right. Well,
1: especially um, when you're in... <laughs> You know, I mean, you're in a couple of fields, but when you're in the reporting field, which you are, you know, you're a reporter, um, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's a tough kind of call to actually read reviews and criticisms of your pieces too, because it might sway future pieces.
0: Right. And it just, this is like the third or fourth time this has happened. Like it happened a couple years ago where, you know, a girl said that Chris Peterson must get off on pieces like this. But like a month before that, I helped her get a job. I was a reference for her to get a job, <laughs> um, you know, as a secretary in a real estate office and things like that. So I'm like, like, does loyalty mean nothing anymore to certain people? And I'm like, what, I, I just, I, I got really angry today. And, and, and just saying that, like, think people think like, I don't understand how, like, you know, like someone does you a favor and then months later you have no problem, you know, lumping onto them. It just that, that concept made no sense to me. Um, You know, the person that, that what happened today, I mean, they tried, you know, refriending me on Facebook and then sending me a couple emails. I just delete them. I mean, I have a really good, I don't know what it is about me, but I have a very good way to just disassociate with people and dismiss them from my, my psyche, so to speak, very quickly. Um, and I'm just like, that person's done with, you know, I don't want to say they're dead to me, but they're just like, I'm not thinking, well, you know what, Chris,
1: I mean, you you know, as, as we're sitting here on this podcast, you and me have really talked about, you know, we've, I try to be really thoughtful in what we talk about right on the air. You know what I mean? Because I have another career outside this, you do too. And so we don't want any of these words that we say held against me. or or you, you know what I mean? You don't want someone to Mm -hmm. quote this or air quote it. And then all of a sudden, boom, take it out of context. And then it's, you know, I don't care if someone misquotes me on like an opinion of a movie, but you and me have actually thought about when I have said a joke, was that appropriate? Should I have said that? You know what I mean? Could that be taken in the wrong way? And when people Mm -hmm. don't think like that, I think people get into this Facebook and social media thing and then they don't, think about their lives long-term and how on social media that could really hurt someone's career or that can actually hurt them in real life. I think people kind of get confused now of social media and real life and that's a real problem. And so I think that's, I think that's why you're able to kind of cut them off is because, you and me and i've you know you know like after we do the podcast i've messaged you like at three in the morning going hey maybe we should cut this joke out it might be insensitive and you're like nah don't think about it (laughs) you know but it's because i really think (laughs) about these things i'm like oh shit if someone listens to this five years ten years from now and says oh ben said some racist shit back in like 2019 you know things that are perceived racist now you know the same thing happened we see it happening all the time in these kind of social movements and social media Mm -hmm. movements. And so when people kind of lash out without warning and don't have it with like blatant disregard for their friends and what it will do to other people, I think that's why you're able to just say, no, you know, I'm done.
0: Like no joke. Um, Like when, when someone, like, if I get into an argument with someone online, especially a Facebook friend or something like that, the worst thing you can hear from me is saying, okay, I'm done. Like that's, that's me saying I'm done. Like we're, we're done. Like I'm not talking to you anymore. Um, and things like that. So like it just, it boggles my mind and I, you know, to anybody out there who's listening to this, um, like loyalty is important. Like I think, or, you know, just having positive working relationships. Like if someone does something for you that should be held in value To then down the road, if something happens, like you're not going to trash them and things like that. Like, like there are a lot of people, you know, you being one of them, Ben Trolley, who have a lifetime pass with me oh you know like
1: with anything i could do anything well that's
0: oh gosh i should should loud. but
1: (laughs) i was gonna quote clerks but it'd be inappropriate but But there's a line i'm just gonna send that to you in my mind please thank
0: you but there's yeah there's just there's people out there that like you know what you've got you've got a lifetime pass and i'm like if someone posts a status saying like you know screw screw ben Frawley. Like, I'm not going to I'm not going to like the status and say, yeah, screw that guy. Like,
1: that just- yeah, man. Yeah, that guy's a jerk. <laughs> like, right. No, I got what you're saying. Like to just like uh, so like a person that you've hung out with, like your whole life just to say, oh, yeah, screw it. Yeah, you're right. Like, that's I just don't get that's it. so tough, Chris. Yeah, I know what you mean. And it, it you know what, though, you ha- really have to think about your when you're faced with stuff like that. And I've been faced mm-hmm. with things like this in my personal life that I've had to distance myself from professionally you know Mm -hmm. what i mean there's certain things i can't flow with in my personal life because it might backlash in my professional career and then i'm out of a job right and in the past year for instance i've had to deal with multiple instances where i've had to tell people i can't hang out with you just because of what's going on hope you understand nothing personal just can't do it because of my job yeah um so that has come up and you know what and you sometimes have to put your head down and think of that. Well, how is this going to affect my job in the long term, which will infect affect my family and my kid and yada, yada, yada. And you really have to think like that because some people don't think like that. Right. They get right. lost in these phone things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They really do. These social media things, they just the lines get very blurry for people. And yeah. I, I, I really point to social media. I mean, it's it's about loyalty. It's about. You know, knowing who your friends are and all that stuff, too. But I really think that with this social media and with this phone things, I think lines got blurry and people weren't ready for it. I think people opened these phones and started texting crazy people and didn't think of the consequences of their real life. Or they started befriending people they shouldn't have and lost jobs. And just in my career, personally, I, so I don't know if you know this, Chris. Um, I know you have some... Um, sort of uh, background in helping people and, you know, human services and stuff like that. Um, sure, sure. But as you know, like online, let's say I befriended someone that was, which people have done it. I, I would never do this, but befriended someone that was a client of mine on Facebook and they wrote online something like they were going to harm themselves or others. So what, what, how that works is I have to act like they're sitting in my office I have to act accordingly, like they're sitting right in front of me, and I have to call nine one one or call mm-hmm. an ambulance. Mm-hmm. And if I scroll past that and go "whatevs," I am um, liable. Oh, so that's wow. why that y- this kind of boundary needs to be set very high when thinking about social media and all these things. And that's why we, when we do this podcast, Chris, we talk about like how do we want ourselves represented? Should what things can we say? What what can't we say on air? And I think that's what, um, and you know other podcasts that I listen to, they do the same thing too. I know they do.
0: Oh yeah. Definitely. You know,
1: like especially, you know, the ringer network and you know, mm-hmm. how did this get made and all those guys and, and all those, even though they're funny, you can tell that there's certain things that they, certain places they won't go. And it's because of reasons like this, like you're saying right now.
0: Chris. Definitely. Definitely. Ben, do you mind if I also do my, my number three, cause it ties into this and I, I don't want to
1: <laughs> do it. Keep separate them, them Keep too flowing. much. All right. Yeah.
0: So for those of you who are wondering, okay, what could, what is all of this having to do with – like what, what was the reason for all this? Okay, so news broke earlier this week that um, there was a an off-Broadway – I think it was either off-Broadway or off-off-Broadway, however you want to judge that terminology – musical called uh, Camp Morningwood, which right. was uh, a um, uh, musical that contains all full frontal male nudity because it takes place on a uh, nudist colony, so to speak – and uh, one of the critics who went to go see it, who works for a outlet called Broadway Radio uh, named Peter Felicia, who is actually, he's been a critic for, you know, 40 plus years now. He's worked for the Star Ledger. He's worked for a bunch of other places, but now he primarily does this in his, I think his post-retirement years for Broadway Radio. Anyway, um, on their weekly podcast called uh, This Week in Broadway, they asked him to review the production, and during his review, uh, Mr. Felicia de- decided to mock the genitalia of the performers, basically saying, and I quote, Um, you would think that there'd be a more concerted effort to have performers who are astonishingly endowed in this production. And he was attempting, he was trying to make a joke, um, but like he, he, he. I can't even, I can't even, I can't believe I'm saying this. He criticized the 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 manhood of the performers, which is like a cardinal sin on every you know imaginable. I mean, man, female, whoever, like you don't do that. You never do that, especially about someone's genitalia. So, um, and then he fat shamed another cast member as well by calling him. Uh, substantially overweight and he said it twice which was very uncomfortable to listen to you can actually hear the whole clip on on the blog oh right it's,
1: it's 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 um, a video or audio oh it's audio
0: he does it's, oh my god it's, it's the second story on, on on stage blog under the yeah latest oh my section.
1: god i didn't realize i thought it was like a tweet or something like this so oh it's no audio? it's, it's oh, audio yeah. it's, i think i just and, saw the headline and i saw i was reading the comments that's crazy no i
0: mean and in, in as as a reporter as a someone who blogs about these certain things very rarely do you get like you know what i call evidence gold. Uh, So to speak, but like (laughs) this was, I mean, I'm listening to it and my mouth drops to the floor. I'm like, I can't believe he just said that. And like, I just, it was awful. And this is coming off of a year where we've had multiple critics from Hedy Weiss in in Chicago to Ben Brantley here in New York who have uh, fat shamed, body shamed, commented on things that outside the realm of what a critic should be commenting on, so to speak. But this was by far the most explicit, most ludicrous, most obscene way I've seen it done ever, basically. Um, and of, of course, you know, I hop on it right away. We write about it. It's now spreading wildfire. Um, the, the aftermath you've got people saying, well, this doesn't define, or is, this is not indicative him of his entire career of his writing. However, course you know that's only going to trigger me to then go ahead and do some digging and sure enough we find that he's this is what he does like this is a this is a common practice for him uh we found reviews from five six two years ago where he does the same thing so this is not a first time occurrence for this guy and either he's a dick or he just doesn't know better but either, either answer is problematic for the fact that he's reviewing productions on a separate issue the 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 hilarity of the situation is that now broadway radio and peter felicia have tried to apologize for what happened um first of all uh their their apologies have been awful like tone deaf not truly understanding the the severity of what they did i'm gonna do an impression for you ben here you go this is their apology okay let's say let's say I'm Peter – I'm the guy that screwed up and you're just like the co-host of this podcast.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Man, I'm really sorry about that. I felt awful. It's been chewing me up all day. Um, I just want to apologize to the whole cast and, and I promise never to do it again. All right. Well, let's move on and talk about My Fair Lady. Uh, I mean that is literally – like their their on air apology sounded just like that. On a thirteen minute show, they spend a minute and a half apologizing and the rest talking about like national tours and casting and things like that. If you've got a thirteen minute show and this thing just erupted, spend the entire show talking about this. Um and treat it with, with the dignity and respect that that it deserves because you owe that to the people that you fat shamed and body shamed um, to the masses, so to speak.
1: Well, and, um, and-, and Chris, you know what, just just to stop you right there. I mean, inside of acting and performing, this is something that comes up all the time with actors versus actors, you know, what I mean, competing mm-hmm. at a high level you know, knowing that if their bodies aren't a 1000% right, they won't get a, a part. And so this is something that's in the back of their minds all the time. I mean, just being near a touring company and all those things, those guys work out like tons just because they know they you cut in seconds. And then to have another level of someone shaming you. I mean, didn't you just talk about uh, maybe two, three weeks ago about that um, woman who was the adult actress who killed herself? Yeah, who Augustines? Yeah, because uh, you know of of internet bullying. Really, you know, people just making fun of her and stuff, and just you know, someone went on the online and just said, "Well, why don't you just kill yourself?" And she actually did. Um, She completed suicide, and so these this is a real concern, and this is a real concern in our society. Never mind, you know, reviewers of theater, and you know if you, to make fun of actors for body issues is the most ridiculous thing. Like we're, we're, we're literally talking about the beautiful people, people that work out right. constantly. And so at a, at a crazy level, you know what I mean? It's just like when teenagers look at supermodels in magazines, you know what I mean? And say, I'm not good enough because I don't look like X, Y, Z, you know, this person, I mean, to reinforce it to another level is just ridiculous.
0: Yeah. I just, I, it, it, this whole thing is a lesson in, how to obviously critique shows, what is not acceptable, and um, and also it's a lesson in how to apologize properly. You know, it's like I, you know, I shouldn't, I as a 38 year old man, should not be lecturing a man who is definitely probably in his, his early to mid 60s on how to craft an apology, and yet I, I'm feeling the need to and saying, like, you, you just need to apologize and not explain or try to justify why you did it we don't need an explanation just say you're sorry you screwed up you're sorry and that's it um and yet that is some that is a bridge too far for peter felicia uh apparently and so it is it's awful we are seeing this more and more and i i i have a key keen reason why that might be a keen observation yeah and that's because theater criticism as an industry in this country is dying it's dying people i mean you're seeing you're seeing outlets shut down you're seeing traditional news um, out papers and things like that, that usually employ these people shutting down even weekly um, publications and things like that are shutting down. So the jobs are becoming less and less and less. So in order to get clicks, to get attention, to get um, for, for reviews to go viral in some way, a lot of these critics are trying to become more provocative with their reviews, whether it's all of a sudden becoming nastier, all of a sudden it's, or becoming um, you know more over the top with their things and like, uh, praise and things like that. We're starting to see this more and more because their jobs are on the line and they're trying to do this to protect their jobs. It's a sad way of doing it, and there's I think there's a right way to go about that and a wrong way. Peter Felicia has chosen the wrong way to do that. Um, on a side note, um, shame on Broadway radio for a couple reasons. One, obviously, for making the comments, and by the way, the host who the guy who hosts the podcast with Peter Felicia is the founder and owner, his name is James Marino. And he was laughing and actually joined in on the shaming by saying at one point when when Peter Felicia was saying that these actors apparently were not well endowed enough for the show, Marino says, "Well, c- should we say they were just miscast in their roles? <laughs> like that—that's bad. Like—and he has not taken any accountability for that either. But, um, you know,
1: just a waste. Of, it's just a waste of time. It Chris. really I is.
0: Mean, and my my thing is,
1: it really is. I was about to say you, one more thing. Yeah, God.
0: But, like, the, the thing that, that makes me laugh and will make you laugh is that that podcast was pre recorded, just like you and I are, are doing right now. And you mentioned this earlier, where we think about what we're talking about. And, you know, after we've done recording, we right. kind of go over it and say, man, maybe I should not have said that. Um, Broadway Radio does not think about that at all. And they just put the podcast up and now they're they're catching all this shit. So shame on them, first of all, for not even protecting their own by editing this thing out of the entire podcast. And we never even know about it. So, dumb you audit. know,
1: I, I'm not going to say that I prepare a ton for this podcast or thinking about movies and shows. But I before I go on air with you, I, I like to think of my take on the movie, whether if it's something basic, like it's good or bad. But usually I have an opinion about a couple things. And that's right. how people, I mean, at least for me, like, you know, when I read movie reviews or theater reviews or book reviews, anything, when they're going through the plot, I kind of skip past it because I want to hear their take. I want to hear what they thought and to go to the, such a base level, like, you know, making fun of someone's genitalia, like they couldn't think of another thing to say about this show at all. That, that to me is just so right. ridiculous and a waste of time. And I don't know, maybe they should look for uh, other careers.
0: You know what, the most, the, the funniest part about this whole thing what? is he, he was trying to present this like negative review of the show, and it later came out that he left during intermission. So even he didn't even see the rest of the show, and he somehow seems that he is justified in forming an opinion about it. So
1: whatever. whatever. What a waste of time. Um, you know, we're giving him too much time.
0: time. <laughs> I apologize. I apologize.
1: <laughs> no, but I think um, it should be, you know, I, I think it's important to talk about that, you know, not only just because of that dude. But just because of, you know, what makes a good critic, what makes a good reviewer to me, it's Mm -hmm. when they have an interesting discussion, you know, what I mean, that's why we love, you know, the guys at the ringer or the guys. You know Paul Shear and all those guys because they have real, true opinions, and you get a sense that they know what they're talking about. They're they're movie nerds right. like us. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I could smell a non movie nerd a mile away. You know what I mean? And <laughs> making fun of someone's penis sizes you know instant tell. So
0: far from it, <laughs> far from it, unbelievable. All right, sir. I so I apologize for ranting. All right, well you I know did, what? Let's what else you got? Let's
1: switch it up because my my two coming up, we're gonna we're gonna switch up the take. Let's, let's take a little breath. Whoo. Okay. Enough I of do. that. Enough of those D bags. All right, here we go. Let's talk about something fun. You ready to go fun, Chris? Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm, I'm psyched. John Turturro's big Lebowski spinoff gets a new title and a 2020 release. Whoa.
0: Okay. I have not heard this news.
1: Okay. So John Turturro, um had some news that he is going to have the Jesus spinoff. Have you heard that far?
0: Yes. Okay. I knew that. Yep.
1: And so at first it was called going places which is kind of a lame title, but it was probably like a a place card title and kind of a, you know, working title, you know, something they just held on set into a slate or whatever, you know, going places, take one, you know. It's like being there. Right. Yeah, Yeah, right. Um, And now it has the title of The Jesus Rolls. Okay. (laughs) Um, And so I think I've covered this a couple weeks ago, how John Turturro, the Coen brothers, gave Turturro the blessing to take this character and go for it and pretty much said, we don't have time to do it. So, if you don't do it, no one will do it. So, that's kind of awesome. Um, and in a statement, Taturo said, It feels like a good time to release a transgressive film about the stupidity of men who try and fail and try better to understand and penetrate the mystery of women. I look forward to working with screen media and bring our work and the character of the Jesus to American audiences. So, Chris, mm. what do you think about the Jesus having a whole movie by himself?
0: It of, of all the characters in Big Lebowski, it is the one character that I'd never thought we'd really see a spin-off movie for, but yet I'm very excited for what this could possibly be. Now I am, I'm interested to see what kind of take Totoro goes with, you know, understanding the mysteries of women, so to speak. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of different, there's the, you know, very, you know, positive 2019 version of that. And there's also the flip side. Um, I I'm I it's a wild card for me. I, it's a wild card. Um Typically sequels to beloved comedies and, and cult classics and things like that don't typically do well from a commercial or critical standpoint. But I don't know. I, I, I if the Cohen brothers gave their blessing on this thing, I mean, that says a lot. To
1: yeah. Me. I, I, it's going to be such an interesting character to make a full feature length movie. I mean, pretty much he is just like a punchline in a couple of scenes. I mean, listen, when he's on screen, I mean, there is nothing funnier. I mean, you can't take your eyes off right. of him. <laughs> it's right. one of the funniest moments in, in film history. I mean, seriously, it's just and it's because it's so ridiculous. The character's so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. He's randomly put in this movie and it just pops up. And that's why you're laughing is because it's so short. And you're like, he's and then he's off screen and he's just swearing the whole time and just craziness. And they even have a flashback scene. It's nuts. And there's so much time and dedication devoted to this one little character that's on screen for less than two minutes. And, um, and it's played by an amazing actor and it's written by amazing writers and directed by raising directors. So that's, what's so funny about this character and an actor that they've worked with since, you know, for over 40 years now. Um, so that's what yeah. makes that character funny, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll Sam. Uh, yeah. We'll I see. can't wait to see that trailer. So, um, but speaking of trailers, let's so. go to my uh, number four right here. Let's do um, it. I Please. wanted to talk about, Chris, have you seen the trailer for the Righteous Gemstones? The Danny McBride, John Goodman vehicle, yes. and Adam yeah. Devine, I think is his name. The, the kid from Workaholics. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, this is another kind of, it looks like another kind of Danny McBride vehicle where it looks like a lot of improv, looks like a lot of kind of Danny McBride-ness on screen. Um, Chris, are you excited for this thing?
0: I am. I really yeah. am. Um, honestly, like, you know, we t- we're talking about Hereditary and Midsummer eastbound and down and vice principles back-to-back is a phenomenal watch like both those shows are incredible
1: yeah the fact um, that you have jody the same- jody hill right jody hill did everything with danny McBride, yes I think. yeah
0: and the fact that you've got jody hill and danny mcbride doing a third show for hbo i'm that's heaven for me literally because of what the subject matter is um <laughs> of this third thing nice. um like i just i i love 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 these two guys together the way that they 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 mix in the reality with outrageousness um like vice principles is a great example like the the end like the last couple of episodes go so far off the rails and yet it's brilliant
1: so <laughs>
0: um like i'm i'm so excited and the fact that you got john goodman in this um adam divine who is incredibly underrated actor in my opinion, especially com- comedy wise. I don't think he gets nearly the credit that he does. Right. Um, I'm on board, man. Like let's, when is it premiered? You know,
1: Um, really soon. I think a month away or something like that. Ugh. So I cannot Ugh. wait. And Chris, yeah, can't I can't wait. be more excited. And there is someone, there's someone, you know, speaking of um, being um, inappropriate, but funny. <laughs> I don't know how Danny McBride gets away with playing these characters, but you get a sense it's because it's in a character. You know, that's yeah. why Eastbound and Down was so funny because he was playing a John Rocker-like character in real life. And that's what <laughs> makes him so – it's a parody of someone that's extremely crazy and just yeah. out of date and racist well, and I, alcoholic and I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I
0: think <laughs> you bring up a good point is that, you know, when, I think, I think it, what gets lost, especially in 2019, is that people somehow have a problem with bad guys doing bad things in movies. Like – you're supposed to be the villain. You're supposed to be the anti-hero. You're supposed to be a guy that is supposed to hit rock bottom because of his actions. So we need to see those actions. And I think a lot of times with, you know, society nowadays and how, you know, sometimes we can be almost too sensitive in in some areas. um, When they see like a villain do something truly terrible, they're like, Oh my God, how can we do that? Well, he's the villain. Like that's, you're supposed to do that. So, um, I, I like, I think what the, the appeal with McBride and how he gets away with it is that, you know, he, the characters that he's playing, you know, they, they, there are consequences for their actions, like his actions, like, you know, he, and he's bounding down. He is where he is because of his actions and vice principles, like every bad thing that happens to that character is because of his own, you know, actions. Where Walton, and so, where
1: Walton Goggins is just character is just so great. Oh my God. I love Walton Goggins Both so of them. Much.
0: First of all, how did he, how did he not get an Emmy nod for that role?
1: But, I, mean, <laughs> I love his. I love, didn't he have the Japanese wife and the mother that he was listening? <laughs> <in? laughs> like anytime time they're on screen, I'm just laughing so hard. The mom, oh my god, oh that's
0: <laughs> – it's incredible. So yeah, I'm man, I'm I'm with you. I love it. I mean, let's go. Yeah, and just and board.
1: you know, I, I listened to an interview with Danny McBride, and he talked about how I think he's from Arkansas. Mm-hmm. I think so, and. He talked about he went out to, to Hollywood for a couple years, one or two years, got a couple parts, nothing really came out. And then he moved back to Arkansas. He was living, working in a shitty strip mall again, living at his parents' house. And then he started writing The Foot Fist Way, um, which is a great flick, too. Um, great great flick. indie flick. And you just, you can see the genius. You could just see him and Jody Hill made that as well. And Jodie Hill's actually in that movie. He plays the, 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 remember he plays the long haired blonde, uh, judo master oh, that right. comes in yes <laughs> like only yes. five people on this earth have achieved black belt status uh, so <laughs> <he's> <laughs> don the dragon wilson no um so he <laughs> so he's funny too i don't know why he's not in more of the shows but uh he's busy directing them but just to think of those guys could be just no ones they could just be working in mm-hmm. a gas station somewhere and then not be just the head of all comedy i think you know when we talk about comedy and how it doesn't get his due and how it doesn't get the award recognition. I mean, there's, there's someone working in Hollywood that probably will never win an Oscar ever. Danny McBride, probably one of the funniest people still around that just continues to bring the funny in everything he does. And mm-hmm. will never get that recognition. Maybe a, a lifetime achievement award, but n- probably not. You know what I mean? Like if, right. if Martin doesn't have one, the Danny McBride's not going to get one. <laughs> no.
0: Actually I got a, I got an interesting story yeah. for you about this. So, um I can't I can't say what what the audition was for, but uh back in January, uh mm-hmm. I was holding auditions and uh in comes this this young woman mm-hmm. and I'm looking I look at her sideways and I'm like, "Wait a second, I know this person. Where do I know her from?" I'm looking at her resume, turn it over, sure enough it's the girl, the redheaded daughter from Vice Principals.
1: No way.
0: And let's just say I, can't, I really can't say what the auditions are for, but let's just say it's not your typical audition, you know, in terms of like for, for, you know, professional theater, or gotcha. professional film work. Um, and I couldn't believe I was there. And it, it, I, it took everything in my essence of a human being not to, first of all, fan out like crazy <laughs> and be like, Holy crap. Loved you in vice principles. Um, and I just, I just had to play it straight. But um of course she came in and like you know, just rocked the audition but um it was just very cool and i after she left i'm like i turned to my person to turn to the person who was behind the table and made me and be like did you know who that was they had no they had yeah. no idea they never seen it. <laughs> sometimes so, it pains to be a um, nerd
1: and know everything it
0: really really made me upset but um it was very cool to kind of see her up front and um uh I Just, I just wish I had had the chance to talk to her about vice principles, but yeah, there you
1: go, <laughs> that's great, good yeah, stuff, dude. man. I, I can't to bring wait. out some levity right wait. in there.
0: Uh well, I hate to bring it down again.
1: Um, oh, no, well, I'm gonna bring us down on the, my fifth one, too. Don't oh, worry, Jesus, this is... I'm bringing us down. To, this is like the basement episode.
0: <laughs> um, okay, I want your take on this. Um, all right, uh, okay, this is this is pretty sad. So, in I think it's England or Ireland, <clears throat> one of the two countries. Um, a, a young uh, four-year-old boy uh, passed away, sadly, too. I think he, he had cancer. So very sad. Um, He was, throughout his four years on this planet, he was a huge Spider-Man fan. Like, over the moon. Like, Spider-Man fan. And it was his, his last wish and his parents' wish to have a Spider-Man uh, image uh, on his headstone, which I think is you know, beautiful. You know? Why not? Yeah. It's his hero. Um, they uh, the the makers of the headstone, uh, then had to ask Disney for permission to put that on the gravestone, and Disney has said no. Uh, they have rejected the offer, and I was like, really? And it's a headstone in Ireland, like really? Um, and it's for a four year old kid, like really? And Disney, they they cited a policy which was written back, I think, in 1959, 1960, where Walt Disney basically said he didn't want his characters used for sad things. I mean, that is basically what the clause... I've
1: actually heard that before. Yeah, I've heard that policy before. Yeah.
0: So, they, and this is one of the things that they do not allow. They don't allow their characters to be, like, you cannot, if you're a kid, sadly, like you can't have a Disney-themed funeral. Like, it just... You can't do it. Um, and so what are your thoughts? I mean, is this something that like, do you, do you see the validity of, of Disney's case here? Or, or, or do you feel like, come on, it's, it's a four-year-old kid in, in Ireland. Like, you know, what WTF what, mate, like what's going on? What do you, what's your take on this?
1: Chris, this is a, that's a hard take. I mean, I, I see both sides, I guess. I mean, <laughs> Oh, I can't believe I just said that. Um, Oh, man. Where, it, you know, when you have characters like that, you should be branding happiness and joy, I guess. And so. sure. I don't know, dude. I, I, I even just saying those words, I feel like the devil. <laughs> I don't know, man.
0: <laughs> I told you, this is a downer. This no, was that was a such a
1: downer. Bad. What do you want me to say? What do you want me to take a counterpoint on this one?
0: <laughs> I I just, I read that story and I was like, I, I just felt like, dizzy. I just, I, I replied to it with an audible, really? Like. Ugh. I don't know. I just, I think I get, I get that, you know, and and not for nothing, Disney, let's just call, you know, call it what it is. You've got an issue with a four-year-old boy wanting to put this on his headstone, yet you don't have a problem with, you know, an alien production at a local high school in New Jersey. So like pick, pick your spots, Disney.
1: Yeah. Pick your spots. Yeah. You know what? All right. On. I'm, I'm with you, Chris, you know, you let Guy Richie <laughs> take control of Aladdin, <laughs> but you know, you won't do this headstone thing, but you know what, though? I don't know, Chris, because correct me if I'm wrong. Doesn't Disney sponsor, like, Make-A-Wish Foundation and do yeah. things like that? So why don't they do that, that sad? Is
0: that happy? Because like, you're granting wishes? I don't I don't,
1: know. I don't know. Like,
0: God, you know, and like, I don't know. Like, wow, Chris. You know what? When I die, I'm spreading my ashes over Disney World, whether they like it or not. It's, 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 <laughs> I'm going to have a stormtrooper um, shoot me
1: into the air. So, <laughs> yeah. Random, <like laughs> a Take crop, that, George crop, Lucas.
0: Crop dusting plan is going to fly over the Magic Kingdom. There you go. So.
1: All right. Whatever.
0: All right, man. <laughs> you, ready?
1: you ready to keep going down Tragedy go- Road?
0: Oh, Jesus. We're just going down like Jacob's Ladder. All Let's right. Go. Here we
1: go. Um, So, I had my friend over the other night. We had our pick of newer movies because I wanted to stay update for the pod. And we watched Sweet. The Hotel Mumbai. Have you seen this movie? <laughs> <laughs> it is ridiculous that I just said that, didn't you? Yes. Yes, it okay, is. Okay, so The Hotel Mumbai is about the <laughs> terrorist attacks in India uh, that happened um, a long time ago, 2008 or so. and Yeah. Um, the, um, it's a very good film. It's very well made. It has... Um, What's his face? The guy from um, Dev Patel. He's in it. Devittal. Yep. And it's great acting, great storytelling. Um, just a crazy kind of story. Um, you know, it's a crazy, tragic story. And don't get me wrong. I think everything they show on screen is a thousand percent accurate. It, I, I never get a sense that what you're seeing is unreal. But I, it gives you a weird feeling when watching a dramatized movie about a real tragedy. You know, it's not like you're watching a disaster movie like Earthquake or something like that, where it's fake and you're like, OK, Charlton Heston saved the day or whatever it is. Right. Um, where in this one, this really happened. Real people died and you're watching not a documentary, but a dramatized, dramatic movie about the whole thing. And I mean, I was on the edge of my seat. I was holding my breath the whole time. If anyone would make it out of this thing, because it was so far away, I, I, I didn't remember what really happened. You know, if. If anything, um, I mean, you just get that awful sense. And I think, you know, these were terrorists that were killing indiscriminately. It's just just an awful event. Chris, what do you think about movies that take real tragic events and then dramatize them? What do you think about that?
0: Uh, I think it's Mm -hmm. all about what story are you telling and has enough time passed from the event itself here's my here's 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 yeah. a good example titanic titanic actual tragedy right uh actual people died you, you know you come out with that movie almost 100 years later really you know just focusing on two characters fine whatever uh world trade center with Nicolas cage coming out i think what five years
1: i think it was five after, years ago. Yeah, or five after or after 11
0: yeah. too soon um, it's an Oliver Stone flick. So, you know, it was going to be ridiculous. And of course it was, uh, it can come off really, really insensitive. Um, same thing with Pearl Harbor, the Michael Bay extravaganza, um, with Ben Affleck and Josh Hartnett, uh, again, like it's just, you're, you're, that movie focused on the wrong things.
1: Yeah. And, and, and I'm not saying that this movie did that. It's not, it's not like it Pearl Harbored everything. It's not like it. You know, had giant explosions and was just right, all over right. the place, and um. But it is still a hard watch oh, yeah. when something is now, like now.
0: Here's a good example. So there, there's movies like World Trade Center, which are just complete like dramatizations and things like that, and, and really going into left field. And then there's movies like United ninety three, which is kind of like Hotel Mumbai, where it's almost a very kind of almost accurate um retelling.
1: I would I would equate this yeah. movie to that. United, and yeah, and I would, yeah, just United. like
0: you, when you're watching United 93, which again is a phenomenal movie, by the way, and in, in you've got this pit in your stomach, like, you know, you know, the end result. And yet you're you, you watch it anyway. Um, that movie kept everything, I think, in focus the right way, just like Hotel Mumbai did. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's about how what story are you telling? Are you concentrating on two lost lovers in the middle of this tragedy <laughs> or are you focused on the tragedy itself and things like that? I think that's, that's what you got to do. Black Hawk down. What's another one? You know, yeah. Like- and
1: yeah. And they, they did. I mean, it was a good movie, um, but a hard watch still very hard watch to get through. Um, but, you know, Chris at the end, they, they tried to put a positive spin on everything on, you know, the survivors and, and showed real footage of, you know, um, after effects in a positive light and the whole, yeah. you know the country coming together and blah, blah 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 i mean so they did their best to take this tragic event and put it on film and try to treat it appropriately but still a very hard watch i i, I recommend it but just like you know my some of my recommendations over the past couple weeks not for everyone if you have any kind of trauma background or ptsd my yeah, god steer. i was traumatized after it too just steer clear steer clear
0: yeah. steer clear um however on a yes. happier note <clears throat> happy <laughs> anybody who's scared of fly, happy anybody who's scared of flying I would yes. actually recommend the, the the movie Sully um Ooh, that, yes. that Tom Hanks movie because and this is what happens in this movie um when that when the birds strike the plane, what they actually do very accurately is they show like the 27 steps that pilots go through before they announce to the cabin that there's a problem. So if you are in the air and you start to feel turbulence and you start to get a little nervous of like, oh, man, is something wrong? Just know until you hear the captain say something across the speaker like we have a problem, they are OK. Like they are checking everything. OK. It is actually one of the most relieving experiences uh, I've had watching a movie. It changed hmm. my way of flying. So there you go. But so there you go. there you go. on the flip side, there you go. If you if you have a fear of flying, watch Sully. Not the movie that you think that you would you'd. you'd should watch but you you definitely should so good stuff man good stuff um excellent oh man this is this is kind of a downer too number five. <laughs> Oh geez all right um
1: well i'm going to talk so, about comedy for ooh. my youtube and so there you go oh there you go you know what i mean yeah, Just me too. Preview, kind of so, so there all you go right. oh, Excellent. excellent. Right, nice. um so all right bring us down <laughs>
0: ben i know you and i were high on triple frontier like you and i both like that yeah
1: movie. it was entertaining cool. flick entertaining
0: right. flick um it apparently, I mean, again, how these things are, how these measurements measurements are made, it did not perform well on Netflix. It hasn't performed well. It just isn't getting the clicks that um, hmm. they were hoping for. And and, they, and Netflix devoted a um, hundred million dollars into tri- Triple Frontier. They actually, um, that's how much money they put into this thing. Um, and because of that, uh, and a couple other things, Netflix has basically announced to their shareholders that they are now going to. Uh, be more conservative with how they spend their money on original content and things like that. So um, I don't know how many more triple frontier type, you know, uh, action films we're going to get type of thing. Uh, And, and the things that we're getting, I think might be more, you know, TV series based Um, Oscar contenders, you know, big, you know, uh, potential blockbusters with, you know, like the Martin Scorsese's of the world. Um, How do you feel about that? Like, do you think that's a smart move and justified on, Netflix is, you know, part.
1: Well, you know what? Netflix is all about getting out content that takes a long time to watch. So I'm okay with it, you know, um, because Triple Frontier was an entertaining flick, but I was done with it in under two hours or whatever it was. You know what I mean? And it's not
0: a rewatchable movie either. Nah.
1: Yeah. I'm all set. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. Like I didn't miss anything. I got it. So it's, it's locked in. Um, So I I would rather watch a slow piece or a slow miniseries like, um, when they see us, which there's no, you know, which had a great cast, great writing. Um, but really, as far as I see, minimal production, at least, you know, no CGI, mm-hmm. no graphics, no explosions. <laughs> you know, it's not one of those kinds of movies. Not one. Of, <laughs> there'd be an interesting show if in the third episode there was just, you know, <laughs> John McClane breaks into the prison and starts freeing everyone. <laughs> um, so, you know, but there's there's nothing like that. So I think Netflix is built for more dramatic slow paced, long form shows. And I, I don't think that's a problem. I think that's where yeah. their focus should be. It should be for things like, you know, even the thing like Stranger Things where our show like Stranger Things, where you have um, lots of talking, lots of set pieces, lots of moving around. But, you know, there's some CGI, but it takes a whole series to get f- to the point. You know, you might mm-hmm. have a couple episodes where, you know, the production goes up, but you know, not really. You know there's a lot of talking in Stranger Things. Right. Right. There
0: is a lot of talking. Right. Indeed. Indeed. Good stuff, man. Good yeah, stuff. Dude. Well, let's let's go YouTube, my friend. Whoosh.
1: let's do it on the let's river. Let's do it.
0: Um, I only got one thing, but it's a it's a treasured thing. And um I was on I was on YouTube and I was just kind of flipping through stuff and, and I came across a uh kind of a highlight reel of uh Airplane, the movie. Excellent. And it it inspired me to go and watch airplane which you can actually stream now on on uh hulu nice. actually um unedited by the way which is even better
1: <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: first of all watching that movie it it's an excellent excellent movie and i i don't even know what kind of subgenre we call those movies whether it's like is it like spoof comedy i i don't know what it is um but it is it is the gold standard I think of those types of films like the David, I think the guy who directed is David Zucker. Yeah. Zucker. Abram, his movies, Zucker. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, gold standard. It is hilarious. It is so non-appropriate in, you know, like I just like looking at it through a 2019 lens is, is amazing to watch. Cause it's like, it's just not, it, it's the whole movie is just wrong in general, but that's what makes it great. Um, and, uh, and, and, I realized how much we miss Leslie Nielsen as an actor. Oh, yeah. Um, And it also made me think how we really haven't had a good spoof comedy in a while. I think the last one that really truly made me laugh out loud was like Scary Movie 3. And that's going way back. going like
1: at at least Um, more than 10 years. Right.
0: Yeah, like Ben, I mean, what was your, like, how did you feel about movies like that, Naked Gun, like all those, like, parody spoof type of comedies?
1: I am high on spoof comedies. I am, I'm really high on nice. it. Um, and you know, I think you're right. I think Airplane is kind of one of the first and one of the standards still and how they do it. You know what I mean? Um, and then mm-hmm. I've watched YouTube videos and you can look them up on, and you know, the side by side comparisons of Airplane and the movie that it's based on. I think I might have talked about it here on the pod. Um, But I'm a giant, um, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen the Kentucky Fried movie, Chris. Um,
0: Yeah, yeah. and that's
1: John Mm -hmm. Landis with Zucker Abrams Zucker. And I love the movie Top Secret and the Naked Guns. And even when you go down the rabbit hole, um, talking about Leslie Nielsen, you know, Naked Gun 33 and a third. uh, I definitely saw that in the theater maybe twice. (laughs) Um, And, you know, even like when you go down the rabbit hole of like Spy Hard. (laughs) There are some extremely oh, funny parts in that movie.
0: Hot, Hot shots. Hot shots Part
1: is just phenomenal. When he's oh. dunking his hands in the Skittles before the, the, the blood sport fight. It's just so great. Um, so I love that kind of comedy. I just think it's, it's just so silly. I love silly comedy because, mm. you know, and that's one thing that why, because it kind of transcends age and it kind of tra- transcends cultures and everything because, whoever you know if you, so you're watching it in france or america or you know spain you're still laughing at it because it's so ridiculous you just
0: ah, oh, it's so yeah ridiculous.
1: and it just it just goes it. through like cultures and you know beliefs mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter like how ridiculous you are if you do a right comedy and airplane does it right and kentucky fried movie is it's a little dated because you know we don't watch commercials anymore i guess and <laughs> we don't really watch the news right. i <laughs> guess um but it's still funny there's some parts of Kentucky Fried Movie, and, you know, even Mel Brooks, you know, Blazing Saddles, I haven't watched in a long time, but that is still great. God, Blazing Saddles. um, I don't know, Chris. Good pick. I love it.
0: Nice. All right, man, what do you got?
1: All right, yeah, let's keep the comedy going. Um, There was a great article, or um, article. I love kind of um, videos on YouTube, and they're kind of video articles, you know what I mean, where they kind of have a point, (laughs) and the author of the – YouTube video kind of goes and examines their point and has video evidence or has like dialogue evidence and points to things. Um this one was about joke theft and cryptonesia. Crypt mm. crypto amnesia, I think that's how you say it. cryptonesia, I think. Um and it goes through how this is by Will Shoulder. It's 15 minutes 32 seconds and it goes through how um some people steal a joke. They steal steal the bit, the setup and the premise, you know, the actual essence of the joke. But Mm -hmm. then sometimes, and this is actual like a psychological term, you can have crypto amnesia where you think of something and you think that it's an original thought, but really you're stealing someone's thought. Hmm. And it's just been so long since you saw it that you think it's an original thought and you go up and stand up. And they actually talk about um, a couple times where this has happened. And the guy gives great examples of which one is a joke thievery. You know what I mean? It's almost like word for word. <laughs> and you're like, okay, that, that joke was obviously stolen. And then one where the setup was a little different, the approach was a little different and then it had the same punchline. Hmm. Like they were making fun of, um, two, two, um, Two comedians, and I think it's Louis C. Kelly, it's Louis C.K. and Dane Cook, actually. Um, and they have kind of the same setup. Like, isn't it funny how when you're an adult, when you're a parent, you can name kids anything you want. And they kind of take the same premise and run with it. And the guy was like, did they steal it or did he just kind of hear part of the joke or just kind of take his own spin on it? And then they take a Carlos Mencia joke and a Bill Cosby joke. And they he points to how that is a joke mm. of theft. And it's really interesting. And actually Joe Rogan on his podcast, speaking of Carlos Mencia, because he actually went off on Carlos Mencia about, you know, joke thievery and other things. Um, It's a really interesting thing that happens in the comedy world because there is no um, copyright Mm -hmm. on jokes. Like there is on songs. Like I can't go out and sing love me do by the Beatles. I'll get sued. You know, even just saying those (laughs) words on the air right now, we might get sued at any second. Um, but with jokes, there is there is none of that. It's it's kind of like the way that creative process copyright works. That it's just kind of in the ether. I could tell a knock knock joke that someone told, or a, a Eddie Murphy joke that from nineteen eighty one, and I could just say, "Yeah, I just made that up," and then just go out and and do that, and it would be very hard for him to wow. Sue me. So, there's a really interesting video, really interesting. So, I I highly recommend that one. Um, what do you think about that, Chris? What do you think about joke thievery? Have you ever seen that? I have.
0: Um, yeah, Amy Schumer has been accused of that a couple of times, and
1: yeah, have you seen uh, videos of that? It's pretty yeah, uh, blatant. Yeah, it, it,
0: it definitely is pretty blatant. Um, but I, I can I can definitely see the point of of you know what what that person was saying in the article about like thinking that you have an original thought. Um, I, I I don't know. I feel like if this is your craft, if this is what you're trying to be, you know, be an artist of, you should have enough talent that, you know, um, not to steal jokes. And, you know, if you, you know, keep in mind, I mean, a lot of these jokes that are stolen are, are discoverable. Like we can find them. So like, you know, when it comes to like Louis CK, Dane Cook, Amy Schumer, all these comedians that i have been accused of stealing comedy, we can pull up a video clip or an audio clip of the other person doing the joke. So, which, which always leads me to believe that because, you know, because a lot of these, you know, comedy takes place in downstairs clubs. Not everybody's going to be recording stuff, you know, stuff like that. Right. But because we can find these things that always, that always makes me leads me to believe that that person did steal a variation or, you know, of the joke, so to speak. So I don't know. I think that if this is your craft, you should have enough talent to be original and unique. And if you can't, then it's not the, it's not the business for them.
1: Yeah. I, yeah, it's really tough because, there are certain people that are funny out there. And you know, he makes a point in this video In the next video I talk about like how certain people think they are funny and mm-hmm. only a few humans are truly funny on this earth. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone thinks that they're just the funniest person in the world. Like, <laughs> like even, you know, even, you know, Chris, like me, who like, I, I, I'm pretty good at public speaking. I've been on a stage, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. But I am scared to death of doing any kind of stand-up comedy because I don't, I don't think I could do it. It's on my bucket list, but I don't know how to approach it. I don't know what I would talk about. Like even that, and me yeah. and my friend Dan always talk about that. What's our approach and stuff? So um really interesting video. And then just to follow that up, I think I've I've talked about his videos before. It's Nerd Rider One, that's his channel. And it's nice. about the video is about Norm McDonald is a comic genius. That's the title of it. It's eight minutes and 22 seconds. And he talks about how Norm subverts your expectations of a joke. And that's what makes him so funny. That's what makes him a comics comic, for example, that Ooh. you've heard that term where like other comics love Norm because yeah. he takes jokes in a direction you don't think they're going at all. And. Um, He talks about how other comedians are more might be more famous and might go down in history as the best of all time. But it's really because they might have other things like movies and shows and other exploits that we think about, you know, like Seinfeld, Ronnie Dangerfield, all these things, Eddie Murphy. But where Norm, he loves being a stand up comic. (laughs) He loves it. Like his pinnacle is being on the road and doing shows. So it's a really interesting video. Check those both out. They're just great.
0: Yeah, just a piggyback off that. I mean, that's yeah. why I love um the show on Netflix Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, which is hosted by Jerry Seinfeld because right. it's just two comedians typically talking about their craft, talking about how they craft jokes, talking about life on the road, and you can hear you know just the the artistry behind being a stand-up comedian. And I I tell people all this, you know, all the time. You know, if if they think that they can do if they think they can be a stand-up comedian, go ahead and just write five minutes of jokes like write write a solid five um it's it's you like you said it's it's tough to do um so yeah i i I'm with you I, I love stand up comedians i love the the art form itself I do call it an art form um and and those and you nor McDonald he is one of the best Adam Carolla is another one that I don't think gets enough uh um, yeah credit as well I mean he's just ridiculously funny um but yeah, I love I just love watching stand-up specials on Netflix and things like that. And 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 taking it as a performance. It's performance art. You know, like it totally it
1: is. A, it, it totally is. Love- it's one of the hardest performance arts of all time because listen, Chris, I, I, I could if you need me to get up in front of a group of people and talk about something or even a thousand people and just intro someone or 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 speak, I, I can do that. I, I think I, I've gotten past the ums and likes. And you know what I mean? Like all those little twitches I used to have as a public speaker. I think I've gotten there, but to make an audience laugh nonstop for even five minutes, I I don't even know where to start. And it just kind of baffles my mind. I, I, so yeah. it's, I give all the credit in the world and I love the different approaches. I love how, you know, you see someone like Dennis Leary, who is almost a scripted comedian, like he'll script the whole thing. And then someone that's a little more off the cuff and there's, and their approach changes every time they're in front of an audience or riff off a crowd. I, I just love the whole thing.
0: Well, like, you know, Mitch Hedberg right. was a legend at delivery, just delivery. And, um, like his jokes, any other comic who might deliver them, they might not land as well as he did, but just his, his cadence of talking was phenomenal for comedy. And, um, Yeah. So love it, man. Good stuff, stuff,
1: Chris. Good stuff. We got us out of the basement a little with that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I tried to bring us back down by talking about H. Edberg, but (laughs) um, how much he's missed. But anyway, great stuff this week, my man. Love it. Um, Real quick. uh, What is going on? Anything you want to plug? Anything you want to promote?
1: Uh, I'm just kind of blanking right now. Um, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know, things are going good. Uh yeah, I don't know. No. Check out the podcast. We're I'm trying to post as much to the Facebook page. I'll try to post a couple articles this week. I don't want to kind of inundate people. I hate, you know, subscribing to a page and then they just hit you like every single yeah. day. So I'm trying to do like two or three articles that we might not mention on the pod. And then I tr- always post our like videos so people can always click there and just go nuts. Sweet.
0: Sweet. Um I, I'm gonna go ahead and just make this announcement now. Folks, we we are I am trying my hardest. Uh, to get Ben to New York Comic-Con this year. Um,
1: I didn't know we were talking we about that, pl- baby.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. So this is talking about being a surprise. Um, we have been lucky enough to get press passes uh, offered to us uh, for the past couple of New York Comic-Cons. I actually went, I think, two years ago. Um, had no, But the thing is, I got there, and I had no idea what to do. I was like, this is great for movies, but... You know, beyond that, I can't. Really, you know, I I don't really know what to take in here. Um, <clears throat> someone like Ben though would take a weekend in, at Comic Con and just go freaking nuts. So, folks, I I will promise you that if we get press passes granted to us again, uh, we will do something at Comic Con this year. I
1: can Excellent. I want everyone out there to, if this thing becomes a reality, I want everyone out there to email me your questions or people that you want me to interview, I will go find them out. I have a mini recorder. I got to, I, I'll rock and roll all day.
0: I love it. And that's exactly why. So there you go. Um folks, you can listen to this podcast and all of our podcasts on the Onstage Blog network at onstageblog.com. We are f- officially off of Podbean. So if anybody used to listen to this on Podbean, we're no longer using that. Uh, but we are now on Apple Podcasts podcasts spotify and tune in so please use us and listen to us uh at all of those different um social media channels and 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 be on the lookout for plenty of more podcasts that are coming out soon um as well but ben man this is a pleasure yes sir
1: nothing yes yes it was good stuff I love talking about theater stuff and all those other stupid bloggers out there <laughs> God, you I know what can we have I a podcast it. fight with someone what would that look like like can we, can we? I have a Warriors vest upstairs in my closet. Can we be the Warriors?
0: Oh my God. We'll be the Turnbull ACs. <laughs> I got to shave my think head, bro. I think we're the Turnbull right. ACs <laughs> in, this, in this conflict. But um, yeah, no, I mean, Broadway Radio do better. Like other podcasts do better. Uh, That's right. Yeah.
1: So we got the Van yeah. Cortlandt Rangers right next to the Moon Runners. <laughs> 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 Nobody's wasting nobody nobody
0: oh like we oh, I mean, should you, how has that not been on the rewatchables yet by the way how have they not, it did
1: it was wait they did the warriors already yeah you missed out bro i i definitely listened to that while walking
0: Ah, oh, all right i gotta get on that one all yeah, right dude
1: yeah love <laughs> it. Ah, you messed up bro <laughs> bro <laughs> love
0: it all right folks we'll see you next week